This is Construction Law Today, the podcast of the American Bar Association's Forum on Construction Law. Construction Law Today is a podcast about current topics in American construction law. Your host for Construction Law Today is David Suchar. Our podcast, Construction Law Today, began in July 2019 and is now in its third season. In our first two seasons, my good friend Buzz Tarlow produced 25 episodes on a variety of timely and interesting topics in the field of construction law. In our upcoming season, I expect to produce similar podcasts at the rate of about one new podcast per month. As always, we welcome your questions and comments. Please let us know what we can do to improve the podcast. The contact information for Construction Law Today is found at the end of this podcast. On behalf of the American Bar Association's Forum on Construction Law, thanks for listening. Welcome to the podcast. The American Bar Association Forum on Construction Law has been publishing important books for the construction industry and for lawyers for over three decades now. Several of those books have been known as great resources for construction attorneys and practitioners, and some of those books are now in their second or third edition. The Checklists book is one such edition of books that people commonly use in practice. The first book was published in 2008. The second edition was recently published in 2022. And I was honored to take part in the publishing of that book. And I authored and updated three of the insurance checklists. We are fortunate to have on our program today, two of the book's excellent editors. Terry and Misty, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, David. Thanks, David. So let's talk a bit about your practices and how you came to be part of the Construction Checklists book. Let me start with you, Terry. Terry is a partner at Frost Brown Todd in Indianapolis. He is a fellow of the American College of Construction Lawyers and former chair of the forum. Terry, tell us a bit about your practice and how you got involved in editing both editions of the Checklists book. Uh, yes, David. I was asked by Misty's partner, Fred Wilshusen, who uh, I think he knew my propensity for three-ring binders and checklists and, and things like that. And as I've told people, um, I thought I'd won the Super Bowl when Fred reached out to me and asked me to participate in the first edition. So uh, jumped into that. And then when it came time to the second edition, they needed an obligatory old guy. And that was me. So they asked me to stay on for the second go around. And I did. Very good. Misty Gutierrez is a partner at Thomas Feldman and Wilshus in Dallas, Texas. She's an active member of the construction ABA Construction Forum. And I'm told that she was called in as a new talent to help edit the second edition. Misty, tell us a bit about your practice and about how you became involved with editing the construction checklist book. That's right, David. I'm the new kid on the block with this checklist book. When they were in early discussions about doing a second edition, uh, they reached out to my partner, Fred Wilshusen, about uh, whether he wanted to be involved in the second edition. And he decided he was um, a little busy to take that on a second time and asked if I was interested and then talked to the other editors to see if they would have me. And they agreed. And I was very grateful and very excited to be involved with this project because it's just a great book. 
Very good. So again, we have Terry Brookie and Misty Gutierrez. Misty, why don't you tell us in a broad overview, what is the construction checklist book? The checklist book is sort of a fundamental desk reference that really anyone who practices construction, whether regularly or every once in a while, should have on their desk because it has short little bite-sized checklists of just about every topic you can imagine will come up if you are practicing in construction law. It talks about contract negotiations, specific clauses, insurance issues, bankruptcy issues, discovery issues, opening files. So whether you're an experienced lawyer um, who already knows most of these things, there's bound to be something in this book that you're not quite as familiar with that can help you out or a brand new attorney. There'll be a lot in this book that can help you out, but it's a really broad, nice desk resource for any construction lawyer. Who were the editors of this version, the second edition, the 2022 version of the book? Besides Misty and me, it was Kerry Okazaki and Eric Berg, who were holdovers from the first edition. Do you think that this resource, a checklist, I think it has, what, 101 different checklists? Do you think this is something that would be helpful for practitioners who are just starting out in their construction law careers? Misty, why don't you take that one? Sure. This is absolutely helpful for new practitioners. I have a couple of new associates in my office and frequently direct them when they're encountering a new issue to take a look at this book because it will touch on things that that they're not familiar with and it gives you a jumping off point. You may need to dig a little bit deeper than this book will go, but it gives you an idea of where you need to go, which is great for new lawyers. Let me tell you this. This morning, I had a project to do for a client and I went to the checklist book without even thinking about the fact that I was doing the podcast today. I went to the builder's risk checklist and went through a list of the items and I found it as a helpful jumping off point to be able to do the things that I needed to do. Can either of you tell me about an instance where you've used the checklist book and you found it to be a helpful resource? I decided, David, to start tracking anticipation of this call when I've been using it. I got through like the first 30 checklists and I'd used five of them in the last three weeks. And and so I stopped counting. I've got a call this afternoon on uh, on joint venture issues. And so I plan on going through the checklist book on joint ventures before that call this afternoon, just as a primer, because even for oldsters like me, it's great for issue spotting uh, on things. Do you think, I'll ask you, Misty, do you think that this book would be a helpful resource for both transactional construction lawyers and for those who litigate and help with disputes and claims? Oh, absolutely. For transactional lawyers, we have, I think, 18 different checklists on specific clauses in construction contracts. And then we've also got a section that talks about the different kinds of construction contracts and analyzes the different perspectives that you might look at those construction contracts. So I think that's very useful for transactional lawyers, but also for me who primarily litigates, you know, I can go and see, okay, what is somebody going to argue against me on this particular clause and what are my arguments on this clause and and take off from there. So I think those sections in particular are very useful for both sides of the practice. Between 2008 and 2022, I guess first question is 
what was the need that was filled by doing this second edition? Why I need to do it now? Well, several reasons. Number one, we did leave several topics on the cutting room floor in 2008 that appeared to be interesting topics, but we just felt we had a full book. And new issues have come up over the years that have seemed to be at a breaking point that it was time to update the old ones and add new topics to it. As you can see, we went from 74 to 101 checklists. So we added a lot more checklists and a lot at the front end, too, on delivery methods, things like that, that now have become more in play than they were in 2008. How are the authors of the checklists chosen this time around? We had an emphasis on looking for authors who were experts in their fields. So we looked at, you know, that we have so many experts in the construction forum in different areas. So we tried to target the ones that would know the most about the specific targets. And then we also had an emphasis on diversity. We wanted to make sure that we were getting women involved in this book and that we were getting persons of color involved in this book and that maybe people that were lesser known in the forum involved in this book to have a chance to participate and to show what their expertise is. What about people who might say, I do just fine by Googling topics when they come up in my practice, right? I'll Something will come up, I'll Google it, and maybe I'll get to find some resources on that topic. What would you say about the difference between Googling topics and having this checklist book in front of you? Well, following up what Misty said, um, we also reached out to division chairs also to review checklists and the first edition, and identify gaps, and identify people too. So we vetted and discussed all potential speakers. So what you're getting with this book that you don't get in Google is you've got someone who we've kicked their tires, and we made sure that they were indeed experts in the area and able to deliver the quality product that we expect from forum publications. And then on top of that, the four co-editors spent time working with, um, and we broke it out into four different categories, and worked with the authors to edit their checklists to make sure that they were reviewed and discussed and challenged. And that was the case. I can tell you that it was a delightful process to take part in updating some of the checklists and working with the editors that I worked with, including you, Misty. The chapters or checklists that were added for 2022. Can you tell us about some of the needs that were filled by the additional 27 or so chapters, additions, uh, checklists that were added? I know one thing that was particularly on our minds were supply chain issues and issues related to the pandemic that certainly wasn't on anyone's radar back in 2008. So we did make sure to include topics or expand existing topics to cover some of those very specific types of issues. I know that we added in a WBE MBE checklist to the book because that is a somewhat emerging issue or at least one we thought needed to be included. And then some of the other checklists that Terry mentioned earlier today. If you look at just at the very start of the book on contract formation and negotiation, we added a lot of new topics because since the the publication of the first edition, a lot of states have gone to allowing design build on public projects, et cetera. So we've added a lot more general form agreement checklists, uh, design but build, design build, EPCM, construction management, IPD, and P3, which were really not hot topics when the first edition came out. People discussed them, but they weren't in use as they are now. And then we've also added more specific clauses pertaining to contracts also. So this is a great resource for those people who do front-end work 
to look at these and be able to get the expertise. And they're done from contractor's consideration and owner's considerations in many instances too. So you can see the slant that the author gives towards each perspective. In the chapters that I've looked at, I've always been surprised by the breadth of each topic. I sort of figured when I started picking up the checklist book, the 2008 edition, and having co-authored, authored some of the checklists this time around, that really the checklist seemed to cover topics from the transaction side of things all the way through potential litigation and claims. Has that been your experience in editing the checklist book? The topics cover a pretty broad range, even for being as short as they are. They do. Uh, some of the checklists are as long as 16 pages, so they get very detailed. That's part of the topics. Let me ask you, are there any topics that jump out as you as being ones you think uh, that will be particularly helpful to daily construction law practitioners? Christy, what do you think? I think anything involving the contract negotiations, the specific clauses, um, the contract administration. I mean, you just, it's something new that crosses your desk every day and maybe it's a change order dispute that you're dealing with or maybe it's an argument over a force majeure clause. And so being able to pick the book up and look at what the different perspectives might be on that is something that I do, you know, even on topics that I deal with kind of regularly, it's nice to be able to just pick it up and and remind myself what someone on a different side of the project might be thinking. I think the insurance checklists are invaluable because while we're construction lawyers, we're not necessarily insurance experts for the most part. There are some who spend a lot of time in it, but most construction lawyers don't. And I find the insurance checklist extremely valuable because it's something that comes up on a weekly basis on is there coverage and what should I get and what does this mean? So I think that for the, especially when getting started, that insurance is such a big issue and, and part of what we do that these checklists are invaluable as a primer in those areas. That's good to hear, Terry and Misty. We'll be right back with more Construction Law Today. PMA Consultants is a leading provider of project advisory, construction claims analysis, and expert witness services. Our experts have a wealth of experience in identifying, analyzing, preparing, and presenting claims and disputes on construction and engineering projects. PMA is proud to be a longtime supporter of the ABA Construction Law Forum and its members. Connect with our construction claims experts on our website, pmaconsultants.com. Welcome back to Construction Law Today. Terry and Misty, before the break, we were getting into some of the specific topics covered in the checklist. But let me back up for a second and ask you, I think there are 101 checklists. Tell me a bit, if you would, about how the book is laid out and what's covered broadly within it. Yeah, Misty, you want to take that one? Sure. So we've laid out the book under several broad subtopics and then some subtopics within that. So the broad topics covered within the book are contract formation and negotiation, 
contract administration. And then we have some trial issues, preparing for trial, and topical list, which is kind of our catch-all category. It's got a little bit of labor and employment stuff, some government contracting, and then sort of the bits and pieces that didn't fit into anything else. Within the contract formation and negotiation, we have a coverage of topics like project delivery. We're talking about the different types of form agreements, and that's where we get into the specific clauses that we've talked about quite a bit, and then insurance as well. So that subtopic takes care of nearly half the book just on its own. And then within contract administration, we get into project management, claims disputes, how to handle bond claims, and then we move on to trial issues, pre-filing, discovery, and then some trial topics like opening statements and closing statements, things like that. So it's pretty well organized in how it's divided up so that you can you know, identify your topic without having to read through the 101 length list of specific topics. Thanks for that overview. Within the contract formation and negotiation section, for example, are there any checklists that stand out to you as being particularly instructive in terms of a broad construction law practice that some of the folks listening might have? I think several are for the reason that the checklists present both sides of the topic. There is on general form agreements, most of them address both the owner's considerations and the contractor's considerations. So you get different perspectives in those checklists, which I think is a great thing to have for someone who's doing front-end work to see what's important to the other side. What can I expect to be issues that are raised on that? So I think that's a key part of this book is that it's not just slanted in one direction, but gives you a broad view of various sides. That's a good point. You mentioned earlier the insurance checklist, Terry, and I know I'd done the CGL and the builder's risk and additional insured sections. And Kent Collier, my good friend, had done a few of the other insurance checklists. How do you think the checklists in that broad area of construction law practice will be helpful to practitioners who may not have that much experience in the area of construction insurance? Yeah, as we discussed earlier, David, because we're primarily construction lawyers and dabble in insurance issues for the most part, it's broad enough that it covers a lot of the issues that you're going to face. The um, builder's risk, AI coverage, the CGL are the big ones that you're going to face as a practitioner. And so there's very detailed checklists on those three. And then we've also added one on professional pollution and cyber insurance too, that is kind of the forefront of things right now, especially the cyber insurance here. And then for those who do get involved in OSIPs and CSIPs, there's a very good checklist on CSIPs and OSIPs also, which is another thing you're seeing more and more of these days on larger projects. And besides then the, the section on bonding, there's also a checklist on what you're seeing a little bit as subcontractor default insurance. A lot of large contractors have their own programs now with SDI, and there's a checklist dedicated towards that too. Because a lot of people don't know about it and, and don't come across it. So when they see it for the first time, it is brand new. And this gives them a real nice primer on what it is. What about in terms of the authors who impacted the publication? I know there's a broad range of folks who were involved in authoring the checklists from the transactional section all the way down to the trial and dispute resolution sections. Can you tell us about some of the authors who were involved in adding to this publication? Well, you, David, were one of our authors that was involved in one of the authors that I um, edited on this. 
And so we were glad to have you for your insurance expertise and, you know, the depth and the breadth that you went into on the topics that you covered. And so that was a great resource to have, as many of ours were. And, you know, often we weren't familiar with the authors, or I wasn't anyway, that I worked with and edited, but I found that everybody was really receptive and, you know, very interested and invested in having good quality work product and getting things turned around for us. Overall, our experience with the authors was just fantastic. Well, thank you, Misty. It was an an honor to work on it and to work with you on it and work alongside a bunch of other fantastic editors and authors on the book. David, you'll be pleased to know that nobody got paid more than you did. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I would be jealous if people had. So thank you for reassuring me on that, Terry. Is there a target audience for this book? Is there a group of people who this is meant for more than any other? Or is it really a, a broad audience that you were thinking about when putting this together? We wanted to be as broad as possible, and hence the front end, the litigation. I mean, there's checklists on opening, closing statements, et cetera. So it really cuts across every practitioner. And in fact, it goes outside of lawyers, too. I have a client who doesn't have an in-house lawyer, but they've got a risk manager. And he said, hey, I, I bought your book. I go, what book? He goes, I bought the checklist book. He goes, it helped me greatly because I'm a risk manager and I'm not a lawyer. And it helps me when issues come up to look at it so I know what I'm talking about when I talk to you and other lawyers. That's great to hear. That was one of the things I wanted to ask about. Could you see this being a useful publication for non-lawyers as well? Definitely. Anyone who's involved in reviewing or negotiating contracts, this can be a very useful book for them. We talked a bit about the pandemic and how doing this book during the pandemic uh, impacted some of the sections of the book. Can you tell us about any particular checklists that were impacted and changed quite a bit because of COVID-19? We have a checklist on, yeah, 37, of force majeure, that was changed as a result of that. I do know that during our calls with the co-editors, at least two of the co-editors had COVID during various times during our calls, so they were impacted personally because of it. Yes, it is a sign of the times that some of these things are changed by folks being sick from time to time. I wondered, as the book came together, was there any part of it that surprised either of you as editors of the book? I'll go first on that. Number one was nobody said no, at least the the people I reached out to be authors. No one said no. And in fact, they said, how else can I help? If you have other checklists that need to be done, I'd be glad to fill any spot on that. So our authors were fantastic. They were timely. Most of them needed really hardly any editing at all on it. So, and I shouldn't have been surprised. I was surprised, but I was pleased with the cooperation and the quality that we got, at least from the authors that I dealt with. Did you work with some of the folks who had authored the original chapters to re-update them for this 2022 edition? Yes. And none of them sent it back and said no updates. Everybody looked at it and had, at a minimum, some minor changes, some major changes to it. Were any of them highly critical of their own work 14 years later? Did they say, that was garbage. What I wrote before was so bad. Why, why did I do that? Um, no, I can't disclose that. Sorry, David. Okay, that's fine. Uh, what about as a resource for in-house lawyers? Do you think that folks who work in-house and have a very broad practice often that they are dealing with, do you think this would be a helpful resource for them? 
I think this is a great resource for in-house because their practice is so broad and they have to hit on so many different issues. Again, this is it'll hit on just about every issue that will come across an in-house attorney's desk and it gives them a jumping off point where they know whether they need to look further or if they're going to retain outside counsel, what questions they need to be asking outside counsel. Is that your thought as well, Terry? Yes, I know two clients, in-house GCs, that have the book and use it extensively. It saves them money. Uh, And this is just the easy stuff, but how much does the book cost and how would one go about purchasing it? The book is $199.95. It can be purchased online from the American Bar Association. So if you go to AmericanBar.org, up at the top, there's a menu that says Shop ABA. And then if you search within the Shop ABA link, it will take you right to the book. I did find that if I tried searching on the main American Bar page, it was a little bit more difficult to find. And if you do a general Google search, there are some third-party vendors like Amazon, but you need to make sure that you're looking for the correct edition of the book because you'll find this updated version much more valuable with the updates, I think, than the older version, although the older version is a great book as well. That's just a good point, Misty, because I just last night was filling around just seeing where I could find it. And the second edition, you can go to the American Bar Association, the forum website. But the first edition only was available on Amazon and some others. So the listeners need to be very careful that they do get the second edition and not the first one because of the updates. How about I'll ask each of you the same question to take us to the end. Can each of you give me two or three takeaways that you think make this resource one that people should have on their desks? I would say number one is just the number of different topics. No matter how experienced you are or how long you've been practicing, there's something in this book that you don't know well or you don't know as well as the person who drafted this particular checklist. So it's valuable if you've been practicing for 50 years and even more valuable if you've been practicing for five, probably. Here's my takeaway on it is you first with the price say, well, that's expensive for a book, but you need to look and see what you're getting for the price. You're getting years and years and years of insurance experience from experts in the area on 101 topics. And I guarantee anybody that looks at it is going to have at least five issues arise during the week where this checklist book will be a benefit to them. Misty and Terry, thank you for your work as co-editors on this great book. And thanks for joining us as fantastic guests on the podcast today. Thank you, David. Thank you, Misty. Thanks, David. It's been a pleasure. You have been listening to Construction Law Today, the podcast of the American Bar Association's Forum on Construction Law. All rights relating to this podcast are owned and controlled by the American Bar Association. No reproduction or reuse of this podcast is permissible without the express written consent of the American Bar Association. For more information about construction law today, or if you have any questions or comments, you may contact our host, David Suchar, at david.suchar at maslin.com. Our podcast is produced with the assistance of Peak Recording Studios in Bozeman, Montana. Thank you for listening and look for our next edition of Construction Law Today.